Canadians need to learn about critical race theory and the pernicious ideology that promotes it. That's why True North is excited to announce a new journalist who's going to focus entirely on critical race theory. I'm Kenneth Malcolm, and this is The Kenneth Malcolm Show. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into the program. So we have some exciting news here at True North. We are excited to introduce Samuel Say, who is going to be a new contributor and True North Journalism Fellow here at True North. His his focus and, and his wheelhouse is really talking about critical race theory and just how dangerous, just how pernicious. It, it sounds euphemistic. It sounds good. Everyone wants to be an anti-racist, but the reality behind this ideology is incredibly dangerous. I, I think a lot of people are learning that now reading the uh, context of Bill 67 here in Ontario that seeks to push this ideology into our lives, into our school system. So I'm very pleased uh, to be welcoming Sam. Sam, welcome to True North. We're really excited to have you on our team and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited uh, to to uh, work alongside you guys. Yeah, so Sam, you are the founder and uh, writer on a website called Slow to Write, where you write excellent essays covering topics such as race, culture, and politics written from your own Christian perspective. You've been published on The Daily Wire, The Blaze, The Christian Post, and many more. We had you as a guest here on The Candace Malcolm Show in the past. So for our audience who haven't met you yet or aren't familiar with your writing, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about uh, the journalism that you do? Yeah, um... I was um, originally from, from Ghana. I immigrated to Canada, originally Montreal when I was young. Uh, then I, we moved to the GTA area and I've lived here um, for a long time. I'm getting married soon, I'm getting married next month. I'm very excited about that. Um, and as you said, I've been blogging on uh, racial issues, cultural issues uh, from a Christian conservative uh, point of view. Um, so um, yeah, I've become yeah. I've the website is sortorwrite.com. I write mostly on Canadian issues and American issues. And over the last, you know, little little while, people have I guess have gained more access to my work. Um, and you know, critical race theory is. I know we'll talk more about that uh, today, but as a real, I have a real passion against against it because I see how it's dividing people across the world and especially Canada. And what's sad to me is Americans have come to see how dangerous it is, but so many Canadians, so many Canadian conservatives, uh, and sadly, even some Canadian Christians are are very apathetic to it or unaware of it. Um, not to get too ahead of myself here, but like even um, last year I was canceled, uh, truly canceled by Christian University here uh, because they invited me to speak on critical race theory or on racism, and they thought I was gonna be for it. Um, if they had read my work, they would know that I, I was completely against it. And after my words, they canceled me. And this is, again, a so-called Christian university in Alberta. This is how bad it is. And that was a year ago. And it's even got, it's gotten even worse since then. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, congratulations on your engagement and, and your uh, upcoming marriage. It's wonderful news, Sam. Uh, I, I'm curious, what brought you towards these issues? Like, what, what was it that made you want to focus on critical race theory and tackling this really thorny issue? Yeah, well... I immediately, um, way back during the initial Black Lives Matter ri riots in Ferguson, I remember being shocked by how many of my 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 friends, and mostly my black friends, were uh, who had been in, in you know who had been loving and in you know at peace with many of our other white friends, were suddenly um, 
there was he now had discord between between them because they had different views on how to respond to Black Lives Matter or respond to police shootings. And it also led to division between some of my conservative black friends and the more pro-black, um, pro-Black Lives Matter or critical race theory friends. And I'm like, what is going on here? This is a this is not something that um, you know is is the norm for us. So then I started studying more of this issue and I just saw just how corrosive it is and how poisonous it is. And then the more I spoke out against it, the more people, including a lot of my uh, friends who were hating me for, speak, for speaking out against it. And that was uh, really what kind of started the whole issue. And again, I'm a, I'm a Christian. So I also saw how a lot of Christians who are really amongst the most conservative people, uh, I would say really are the most conservative people in our society, uh, were starting to embrace critical race theory as well. And I was, again, shocked that it would even um, um, seep into uh, the church. And if it's going into the church, then it's everywhere. I, I see it as sort of a bait and switch because I think a lot of people are genuinely concerned and they, they genuinely dislike racism. They don't want it in our society. They don't like racist people. They don't want anything to do with that. And so they saw Black Lives Matter as an opportunity to say, okay, there is historic injustices, especially in the United States. Uh, maybe those historical injustices have an impact in today's uh, you know, desperate outcomes and, and, and certain communities not doing as well as they could. Uh, let's focus on that issue. And I think that we all kind of agree that that's an important issue. Uh, but then you know, so, so, so that, that's that's the bait part. And then the switch is that, you know, what, what they're proposing here, um, you know, what Black Lives Matter uh, came to represent, the sort of ideology underneath it, is something so radical that, that, that what it seems to do is, is replace one type of racism with another, uh, much stronger, because I think for the most part, most Canadians certainly uh, don't have racist animosity towards other people. They're, they're welcoming the community oriented uh, you know we have this country that's based on ongoing immigration and everyone wants to live harmoniously in in pluralism um, and and but 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 it really the the problem is really the underlying ideology and that's sort of what you become an expert on so you know when it comes to bill 60, uh, 67 in Ontario which I'm I'm happy to report that it looks to be stalled I mean it it, it was introduced in December it was passed to second reading uh, in on March 3rd and then it's gone to committee and it's sort of buried down in the bottom. We know we have an upcoming election here in Ontario uh, this spring. And so it seems to me that maybe after the negative pushback that that, that, that has come out in the media, thanks in large part uh, to people like Barbara Kay, who we had on the show last week, and Jordan Peterson, who had a YouTube video called Kill Bill 67. I think he's actually successfully killed this bill or at least, uh, you know, stalled it. Um, but, but, but really, you know, the, the, the idea is that they're going to change the education system. Um, I think that there's, uh, five different acts that it amends, um, entrenching, um, re-education to teachers that they must, uh, you know, now, uh, focus and take, um, courses on anti-racism, um, that there's going to be race-based hiring, uh, that there could be fines in classrooms for alleged sort of like microaggressions or, um, you know, things that are determined racism to be racist. Uh, the whole the whole problem, of course, Sam, is the lack of any kind of um, clear uh, definitions. So so it's really vague. <laughs> There's a lot of room for interpretation, and it seems to be um, intentional. So I'm hoping you can just sort of give us an overview of uh, critical race theory and how it's made its way into Ontario schools already. Yeah, well, yeah, that's, uh, I'm happy to do that. Um, yeah, there's so much, uh, just so much to say about that. So I'll I'll say something that you mentioned earlier about how 
Um, there are past injustices in our in our nation uh, that too many of us don't know much about, which is which is a problem. We should know. We should be educated more on it. The issue is critical race theorists. What they do is they're not. They claim they're just trying to address historical injustices. That's not what they're doing. What they're doing is they're saying the entire system, the Canadian system, our founding principles are racist. That's what they're saying. So when they say that they want to change the educational system, or when they suggest that, it's because they think every part of our institutions, all of our institutions, all of our systems, including the education system, is racist. And this is because they are a race-centric a postmodernist Marxist movement. And they will stop at nothing until they change all of our values and our systems and our principles to create a more leftist Marxist postmodernist uh, world. And, and you know, it, it saddens me that so many of us have not been seeing this coming. So in terms of how it all began within our political system, what's well, been going on for a long time is actually, it's, it, so it started off in law schools in the US and also in Canada. Um, and then it's since become part of our uh, curriculum. So one of the things I find interesting about this particular bill is it's in some ways unnecessary. Now, what I mean by that is, is that every school in Ontario is teaching critical race theory. I'm not trying to promote my blog, but on my blog, I wrote an article titled Critical Race Theory in Canadian Schools. This is because um, the curriculum, like the, the, the truly the curriculum that we have in Ontario, um, it's already being taught. They're teaching five-year-olds um, to read uh, Ibrahim Kendi's The Anti-Racist Baby, where kids are, being, are, be, are, are having to read out that they are racist unless they are anti-racist. Um, they're teaching, uh, they're reading Robin D'Angelo, they're, they're advocating white privilege and systemic racism, and all these ideas are, are already there. So why they, so then why would they want to implement this? Well, this is because uh, a lot of us have not been fighting back at all. At all. See, what happens is critical race theory, when it's already being implemented by teachers and by, and by the faculty and the, and the boards, and there's zero pushback from parents, well, then they're going to want to entrench it more into our curriculum to make it even harder for us to want to change your minds on this or to push back on it um, by then. Because now we can still push back. Well, once it's in the system, it's a lot more difficult. Or once, it, I mean, it's, it's a law, it's a lot more difficult than to change their minds on. And then, of course, if they can change the system, the the, um, the educational system, then they can change the political system as well, too. And this is really the beginning, I think, of them pushing more radical uh, uh, bills going forward when it comes to critical race theory. One of the things uh, that's so interesting is that this has sort of caused a huge backlash in the U.S. We saw a uh, conservative Republican uh, uh, governor get elected in Virginia, a state that usually elects Democrats, and you know states like Florida have have, have put in uh, laws that specifically ban this type of thinking and this type of teaching uh, because it's so divisive, Sam. It's so harmful. It's so negative to everybody. Right uh, on the one side, you're telling uh, white children that they're that they're privileged and that there's something inherently wrong with them. On the other side, you're telling you know. Uh, black children and, and children from different ethnic origins, that the system is rigged against them. And no matter what they do, they won't be successful. I mean, I can't think of a more divisive way to, to teach little children. Um, it's so counter to Canada's sort of 
founding ethos where this pluralistic country, uh, this idea of equality of opportunity where uh, people are judged by their individual character. You know, we have a free market economy, a country is based on freedom, which it really just says that each individual has the right to pursue their own path. And yet this is focusing so much on the group. I'm just wondering why you think uh, there's pushback in the United States on these issues, but not in Canada and why a conservative government, a progressive conservative government in Ontario would be the ones championing and introducing this this type of legislation here. There are so many reasons why um, we are um, much more apathetic to this than our American um, uh, neighbors. One is Americans just tend to be more um, interested in what's going on in, in politically and really in the school boards than we are. Canadians, we're not very involved in the school boards here. We're not very involved in looking at what's going on, what's being taught in schools. Um, we're not very engaged in what's being said in the media, um, where most Canadians don't really follow what's going on. Um, most Canadians, of course, trust the legacy media, so they, don't, they would never hear about things like this. Um, a lot of us also just have a, a problem with accepting whatever the Conservative Party um, you know, will, will tell us that we don't challenge them oftentimes, which is why they're not even concerned about putting this bill forward. In the U.S., it'd be unthinkable for a Republican to do this. They know they would they would have severe pushback, but we have not given an incentive for our politicians who are supposed to um, supposed to protect our interests um, to even consider that. Wait a minute, this may not be a good idea for us politically. Um, and also, one of the issues is this, and I've said this before, and it, it, always, it always shocks a lot of Canadians, but um, critical race theory is just as popular, if not more popular in Canada than it is in the US. Every poll shows this, and I've seen this, but the issue is it's become so accepted that there is so little pushback against it, and it's growing even worse. In America, you're seeing it, you're seeing it decrease in popularity because of the pushback from the conservatives there. But in Canada, it's actually getting more popular here. And, and that's in part because, again, so many of us are not speaking out, which is why I'm grateful that True North is one of the few, you know, few um, uh, media, media organizations that are actually dealing with this thing because too many, too many people are not addressing this issue at all. Well, it's, it's really interesting that you say that because I, I'm, I'm curious about the poll that you said that more Canadians are accepting of critical race theory because I almost wonder if, if Canadians are you know, the way that the polls question uh, doesn't clearly explain what it is, because I think a lot of people, uh, again, the, the the sort of brilliance of critical race theory from the left is that it uses all these innocuous terms that euphemistic terms um, that that sound good on the surface, right? Like everyone wants to be an anti-racist because we think racism is, abhor racism is abhorrent and we want to rid it from our society, right? Uh, people hear equity and they think equality. They don't, they don't really know the distinction. So a lot of these words... Are, are I think deliberately designed to, to, to sort of fool people. And we, we here at True North, we ran an op-ed from a, a conservative member of parliament. He's part of the um, Ontario party. He used to be part of uh, uh, Doug Ford's pr a progressive conservative party, but he got uh, pushed out because he was critical of Ford's lockdown policies during COVID. So anyway, he wrote a piece for True North called Voting for Critical Race Theory Was a Mistake. Um, he said that he made a significant unintentional error when he voted for this bill. And he, he, he voted for it because he thought that it stood against racism, and he, I guess he didn't really read it carefully enough. Uh, one of the things that he goes on in his op-ed for us is talking about how uh, the, the research that he's done basically on Robin DiAngelo, who wrote the book White Fragility, and Ibram X. Kennedy, who wrote the book How to Be an Anti-Racist and 
to your point, how to be an anti-racist baby to a children's book. Uh, one of the lines, though, that, that, that was really uh, stood out to me, it says that according to Abram X. Kennedy, the only remedy to racist discrimination is anti-racist discrimination. So they're openly calling for discrimination. And, and that's the part uh, that once you push back uh, past all these other terms, uh, you realize the true nature of this bill. It's to uh, lump people together, uh, judge them based on their group, not based on their individual character, and and to actively discriminate against some people to try to promote others. Uh, so I, I'm just wondering about the sort of euphemistic terms that are used. Maybe you can help us break down, like, why is it that anti-racist doesn't actually mean anti-racist? And why is it that equity, uh, how is it different than equality? Yeah. Um, being a Christian, uh, something immediately comes to mind, the text from the Bible, which basically says that Satan appears as an angel of light. And what that means is Satan is not going to you know, come to you saying, yeah, I'm the devil. He's going to appear as an angel. And in many ways, cunning politicians, cunning activists know how to phrase things in such a way that it will make you think what you're really supporting is is a good thing instead of the bad thing. So they're going to say anti-racism because then you're you're not going, if they say something like critical race theory, well, then you want to investigate it. But if they say anti-racism, well, it sounds so simple. Well, then they're against racism. So then you wouldn't want to investigate anything. But really, again, it's really just a cover for racism. It is, they're saying they're good, but they're bad. Or it's like, again, as the Bible says that they say that evil is good and good is evil. So that if someone like me, they would call me, they'll say, since I'm not an anti-racist, I'm a racist. Even though I'm a black person, they would say that I am a, a, um, I'm a, uh, a a white supremacist, you know, in black in black skin. So they use these terms, and even even things like the word like equity, which has become so um, a, a it's such a a term that's been that's just been used by so many people, and they don't know what it really means. Equity and equality under the critical race theory definition is completely different. Equity basically means equality of outcome for all people. Which means, as you as you referenced, Robin um, D'Angelo's uh, point, it means really discriminating against white people to help black people. Well, the problem is you can never harm someone to help somebody. That's not how it works. Martin Luther King Jr. was very good at this, right? Who, who by the way, they they label him also a white supremacist as well too, because he is not a critical race theorist at all. So the, it, he he mentioned that look, what is best for the for the black man is what's best for the white man. And what is best for the white man is what's best for the black man. That we are all in this together. That you don't want to be a, a, um, a, a person who is trying to seek the interest of one group at the expense of another group. That is racism when it comes to, when we're doing that with black people or white people. It was, it was wrong for white supremacists to harm black people thinking they'd be helping white people. And it's wrong for critical race theorists today or black supremacists to be trying to harm um, um, white people to help black people. It will not work. The only way to do true justice is to, is to pursue the rights and, and freedoms of all people, no matter what skin color they are. And therefore we should be rejecting equity and supporting equality, equality under the law, Equality of opportunity, that's what I want. That's what everyone should want, no matter what skin color you are. But critical race theory thinks that is evil, that's racism, and that's unjust. And that's why we must reject it. Well, absolutely. That's such a clear explanation. I really appreciate that. I remember it's probably five or six years ago now, I heard a speech from the Toronto leader of the Black Lives Matter group 
uh, where she called Justin Trudeau a white supremacist. And I remember thinking that was so shocking and so strange. Uh, but, but since then, I've heard it so many times, right? It's like they've changed the meaning of that word, right? Like this is the same with racist. Racist used to just be someone who discriminated against other races, thinking that, they, that their one race was superior or inferior. Um, whereas now it, it, it's all about subconscious institutions and, and there's this all complicated uh, definition. It's the same with this term white supremacist. I mean, to call someone like yourself or Martin Luther King a white supremacist is so abs patently absurd. Um, and yet, you know, the, the way that they've changed the definition of that word, it, it doesn't mean what it used to mean. It now means anyone who, uh, you know, supports the systems that, that they say are systemically uh, racist or, or supports the institutions of Canada, which they say are ir ir irredeemably broken, basically, um, and wanting to replace it with some kind of a utopian idea. It's, 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 really, it's really scary stuff. So how can, how can people fight back against it, Sam? Yeah, you know, um, I want I want the audience to remember something. One of the one of the key words that was used to dismiss the convoy was white supremacist. Now that had nothing to do with racism or white supremacy, but why did they do that? They did that because they know it's an effective way to dismiss someone. In the same thing, they know they can dismiss people, they can dismiss um, good values, and they can they can dismiss our systems by calling them white supremacists. And, th and that is the game. And so we have to know the game and know how to oppose them, right? So how do we fight back? Honestly, it's being involved in our school systems. If you're a parent, be asking, and I've seen, I've gotten emails from people telling me how they've been able to, um, to reach out to, their, to, to their, their, their children's schools. And by asking questions, they've made it known to the teachers that they will not tolerate critical race theory being taught in the schools. And because of that, because of fear of, of, of pushback from the parents, the school has have, have, have backed off. So something like simply asking um, um, your teachers or the principals what is being taught will help them know there'll be that accountability for that. Reach out to your, to your MPs, reach out to the politicians, let them know how you will not uh, stand for this. And I think simple things like that will be enough to let them know that, look, we are not apathetic. We do care about this. If, if they think we don't care, they can do whatever they want. But as you said, right now, they were pushing this bill since since December with no controversy. And now that you have some people speaking out against it, you already have them apparently stalling. And that's just how effective it is when we are not silent. Absolutely. I encourage anyone watching this, if you are in Ontario and you have kids in schools, push back, you know, call, make, pick up the phone, especially, you know, if you don't want to get involved in a lot of parents don't want to ruffle any feathers at their kids' schools, uh, call your MPP, especially if they're a conservative and, and just say how appalled you are that they would uh, push forward a, a bill like this, because I, th I think you're right. I think that in the U.S., it's, it's sort of hit a critical mass where more uh, enough parents are aware. I hear so often, Sam, from parents, from friends who have little kids in Ontario talking about, you, you know, the latest thing, um, you know, oh, we're all supposed to wear this certain color on this certain day to show that, you know, whatever. And, 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 and you know, pushing this little this stuff on little kids, like four or five-year-olds. Um, can't, I can't imagine some of the stuff that's being uh, said to these children in school and how damaging and harmful it is for the cool cohesion of our society. Uh, well, Sam, we're so excited to have you at True North. Why don't we uh, talk a little bit about what you're going to be doing, what you have planned uh, for us here at True North. Yeah. Hey, I'm, hey, I'm excited to, uh, to start writing. I've already been thinking of ideas. I want to write more about critical race theory. Um, I want to write about what's happening. Um, I've received a lot of emails from parents just sharing more information as to what their kids are 
bringing home to them and what they are learning from school. I want to address uh, some of the other things going on in Canada as well. And um, excited to just, you know, write about really anything. So, you know, people who may have followed me from my blog, I want to write similar things, but maybe more in a, in a more broad sense uh, for uh, True North. Yeah. And, you know, you said that so many of this stuff in some ways, Bill 67 isn't necessary because there's so many instances out there. We have a reporter, Sue Ann Levy, who, who writes a lot about the sort of woke stuff that happens at a very local level, which, you know, gets kind of uh, passed over in the legacy media. They don't really cover local politics anymore. They don't really cover city council stuff, but it'll be great to have more people reporting and, and yourself with your expertise in in this theory. Uh, so we're, we're really looking forward to having you on the team and for you to continue to expose this because it's just it's so important. Every parent should be aware of it. And I think that if more conservatives knew these sort of code words and code language that they use, um, this kind of bill would never get introduced in a Canadian legislature or parliament ever again. So Sam, we're really excited. Uh, welcome again to True North. And we look forward to having future conversations with you. Thank you very much. All right. That's Samuel Say. He writes at slowtowrite.com and he now writes for True North as well. Thank you so much, Sam. I'm Kenneth Malcolm and this is The Kenneth Malcolm Show.